This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. All right, we are in our fourth week of our series called Conversations with Jesus. And before we start with that, I just wanted to make mention that this is a National Volunteer Week, and we have some of the best volunteers here at the City Church. And so I just wanted to take a few seconds. If you volunteer here at the church, if you could just real quick, just raise your hand. We just want to thank you for doing such a great job here at the church. And we got people volunteering everywhere from the parking lot to the lobby to kids and youth and production and worship and just so many different areas around the church. And our volunteers do a fantastic job making church run around here. So I just wanted to thank you publicly uh, in National Volunteer Week. All right, let's turn our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we'll get there in a second. And the point of this series, um, as we look at these scriptures, that we are as Christ followers, that we're supposed to be disciples of Christ. In other words, we are learning from him, that he is our mentor. He's our life mentor. He's not our religion mentor, that Jesus teaches us about life, how to live life. And so far we've been looking in his word and the first week we talk about uh, the seeds of God's word that we should be planting God's word in our hearts. Second week we talked about Christ who heals. Last week we talked about the idea of unforgiveness, letting go of all of those past hurts and the things that have happened to us in the past. Um, all of these coming from a conversation with Jesus. Now as we um, get into the verses this morning here in Matthew that all of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, they give us a biography of Jesus' life. And it's great that we have these four different accounts of his life. But each one of them emphasizes different things about Jesus' ministry and what he did and what he accomplished and what he said and how he approached certain things. Now, within the gospel of Matthew, Matthew, we see this emphasis on the kingdom of God. And this was Jesus' message. When he came to the earth, he came to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God. And so as we look at these verses, and specifically in Matthew 6 today, we are finding out about the kingdom of God. And what the kingdom of God means, it just means the place of God's rule, God's way of doing things. So God invites us into this life, into this relationship with Jesus, that we can know him separate from religion, separate from our own goodness, that it is a gift that he gives us, this gift of righteousness. But then he calls us to live according to the kingdom of God, that we would let God rule in our hearts by his word, that we would let his word govern our lives, govern our choices, govern our thoughts, govern our actions, because we're living in accordance to the kingdom of God. Now, last week we talked about something that from our past, that our, that our present can be affected negatively by things that have happened to us in our past. Now, today I'm going to talk about something from God's word here, something about our future, a negative view of our future that actually can affect our present negatively. That if we look at the future, that tomorrow and how things are going to turn out in my life, if we have a negative uh, sort of um, destructive view about our future, that can also affect our present negatively. And I think that tells us something 
about how God wants us to live now. That the scripture says today is the day of salvation. That God wants us to live in tune with his word and with his spirit on a daily basis. Not be languishing in the past, not be scared of the future, but understanding what his will is for us now. So today we're going to be talking about worry and the idea of that we shouldn't worry. And worry isn't a kingdom way to live. And, you know, as I prepared this uh, message this week and I was finishing off yesterday a little bit, I started to worry about my message on worry. And then I realized I needed to stop worrying about the message on worry and just trust God to help me uh, minister to you this morning. So let's read here in Matthew chapter 6. This is still um, Jesus from his Sermon on the Mount. And we'll start reading here in 19, verse 19 of Matthew 6. And then we'll go back and make some comments on it. Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Verse 23, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor your body, what you will put on. Is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither do they toil or spin. I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Anxious. Have you ever been anxious? The word anxious or anxiety, the other translations talk about worry here. Anxiety means an uneasy feeling or uncertainty, agitation, dread, or fear. Now, at any time in our lives, there can be um, things that we think about as it relates to the future that could cause us to have uncertainty, could cause us to be uneasy about the future. We can look at certain things and we can be oh, this could make us nervous and and this could happen and this could happen in the economy and this could happen in in political situations and this could happen in war and rumors of wars as the scripture says. And all of these things can cause us to be anxious about the future. But this whole section of scripture, Jesus is talking and telling us that 
part of kingdom living is not to be anxious, is not to be fearful about the future. So let's go back to verse 19 here. We'll make a few comments and then we'll move on. Verse 19, it says, Do not lay up treasure for yourselves on earth or where your moth and rust does destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where neither thieves do break in and steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So is Jesus telling us here in these verses that we can't have a savings account and that we shouldn't have any material goods because he's saying, hey, if you just have all of these things, that, you, you know, you don't, don't do any of those things, but just have treasure in heaven. But verse 21 helps us to understand what he's talking about. He's, start, he's talking about affection, the affection of our heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That we shouldn't put our affection on stuff. That uh, affection uh, shouldn't go towards money and goods. That we should love God, and if we love God, then the scripture tells us we love God and we love people. That we shouldn't just put our heart and our soul and our affection and our love on stuff because, you know, stuff isn't going to last. Stuff is going to be here today and gone tomorrow. So we don't put our affection, we don't love stuff. And then the scripture says, as we continue reading there, it says you can't love God and money. You can't just love your resources and love God. But if we continue on reading, we realize that God actually wants us to have some stuff. As we read there, that's why I read the whole thing first. He wants to bless us. He wants to take care of us. But he doesn't want us to love those things. That resources and money is a tremendous tool. It's a tremendous servant. It's a terrible master. It's a terrible thing to put in charge of our lives stuff and our resources. God wants us to be blessed. He wants to take care of us. He wants us to have the needs of our lives met, but he doesn't want us to put our affection on those things. And he says this would be the result of that. The eye is the lamp of the body, or how you perceive life, or how you think. And he says, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light is in you as darkness, then how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters for you to hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So we're not supposed to be serving our resources. We're not supposed to be serving our money, but we are supposed to make them a servant of us, that we are supposed to use the resources that God has given to us, that God has blessed us with. And the first thing that he would call us to do with the blessings that he's given us is to be generous. Isn't God generous with us? Isn't, isn't God given us all that we have? Even if this is your very first time in church, even if you're not even sure about the existence of God, that God has blessed you with all that you have. All that you have has come from your ability to either work a job or the acumen that you have or you've trained yourself with the brain that you have that God has given you, which means all of those things can be traced back to God. So God wants to bless us and give us things, but then he wants us to be generous like he is generous to us. So we're not going to love those things. We're going to love God. We're going to put God at the center of our lives. So this is the first step for us to not to be anxious is to not have stuff or resources at the center of my affection. 
not going to love stuff. I'm not going to love whatever amount of money I have, but I'm going to love God. And because I love God, then God is going to inspire me. He's going to help me to use my resources well. And then he says this in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Don't be afraid of the future, Jesus is saying. Don't be afraid of the future. Oh, isn't that hard to do? The reality is, isn't that a hard thing to do? I mean, if you ever watch the news, ever, do you know that they're not reporting on how good people were to each other this week in Mississauga or in the GTA, right? They're not saying, hey, you know, so-and-so helped this person and so-and-so did this for this person. They're like, so-and-so stabbed so-and-so. And this person shot this person. And we're emphasizing all the negative things as the media would do. And so that can change our thoughts about the future. We're thinking, man, how bad is the world getting? And it's just going to get worse. And if the world is getting worse, my life is going to be worse. But Jesus is telling us here, kingdom life says, don't be anxious about the future. That I'm not going to be afraid thinking about the future. How are we going to get there? How are we going to walk that out? And then he says, he talks about very practical things. He says, what you eat or what you drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. What's the implied answer? Well, yes, of course, life is more than those things. Verse 26, it says, look at the birds of the air. Neither do they sow nor reap (coughs) nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father, and I'm going to insert my wife, feeds them. She's feeding the birds, I'm telling you, all of the time. We have five different types of bird food. And we don't even own a bird <laughs> in our house. And she's American, and she's from Arizona, and she's beautiful. I love her with all my heart. <laughs> Are you not more valuable than the birds? I'm not sure in my house if I am. I think (laughs) these verses are making me depressed. I don't know. (laughs) Verse 27. And which of you by being anxious or being afraid can add a single hour to his lifespan? What if you, by being afraid, is going to make your life longer? What if you, by having a negative view of the future, is going to fix something? Being afraid of the future. How are, we going to, are we going to fix stuff by being afraid? And being anxious and having uncertainty and letting uncertainty master our lives. Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither do neither toil or spin. I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? What's our expectation? What, how do we think about the future? What is the kingdom way... For us to think about our future. 
Are we supposed to be looking at the economist's forecast and the political forecast and what the politicians say and this, that, and the other, and we're just supposed to join everything they say and just hang on to it and let our hearts be afraid? No, he said, uh, can, can we trust God to, to give us the things that we need, the practical things of our lives? Can we expect God to provide those things for us? And what is the implied answer? The answer is supposed to be, yes, look, God feeds the birds and God takes care of the plants and he does all of these things for, these, the, for nature and for animals and he's going to take care of them. And the answer is that means he's going to take care of you. We don't have to be afraid. Fear about the future is a waste of your present. Fear of the future is a waste of your now. It's wasted energy. Verse 31, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious. He says it again. And then he says this, Do not be anxious saying. What are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? What's going to happen? What's going to go on? What's it going to look like? And how is it going to be? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And oh my... What about this? And they say this. And they're talking about this. And it's going to be, what are we going to do? How are we going to live? Don't be anxious saying. You have to listen to your own words and ask yourself, am I just letting a bunch of fear come out of my mouth? Do I have more faith in what everybody else says and what it looks like? Or do I have faith in God. Jesus said in the middle of this, why do you have, why, oh, you have little faith. Trust God. We're going to trust God for our future. We're not going to be afraid of what the future might hold. Verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. So in other words, what that means is people who don't have a covenant with God, people who aren't in a relationship with God, they're just going to go after stuff. We just need stuff. And I get more stuff. The more stuff I have, the more happy I, I'll be. And has anyone figured this out, that this is not true? Has anyone ever experienced buyer's remorse? What is buyer's remorse? Where you go and you look at a thing, and you, and you look at it, and you search it online. And you, you find the best price. And you just, before you get to the store, you kind of love this thing. You really love it. And you think it's going to make your life better. And you think about it, and you ponder it. And you, you Google it again. You find someone else that they gave a good review on that thing. I'm like, oh man, they said it's good. And then you go and you get that thing. And two weeks later, you're like, I wish I had that $500 back. Because <laughs> we thought that thing was going to make our life better. And it was going to bring satisfaction to our heart. But Jesus is saying the people that don't have a covenant with God, they're just seeking after stuff. Just, you know, stuff, stuff, and more stuff. And he says, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. God's not against you having stuff. But he doesn't want stuff to have you. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be taken care of. He just doesn't want your life to be consumed with stuff and your affection and your energy and your attention. 
to be given to stuff. God wants to bless you with all these things. All the things that you need, God wants to bless you. But then he says this, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That we're going to seek after God. We're going to put our trust in God, not our stuff. We're going to put our trust in God. Seek after his righteousness. The kingdom of God. Seek after the kingdom of God. God's way of doing things. And all of these things will be added to you. Finally, verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. He says it again. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, there's enough stuff today for you to deal with. Don't grab onto tomorrow as well and be afraid. You got a lot of stuff to do today, don't you? Didn't you already have a bunch of stuff to do today? Parents, didn't you already have a bunch of stuff to do today? Parents of young children, you're like, man, we got this and we got to get the diaper bag and we got to get in the car seat and they're going, oh my gosh, they poop. We got to go back in the house and blah, blah, blah. And we got to do this, we got to do that. And we made it to church. And now you got to go home and you got to feed them and you got to give them a nap and you got to give them a bath and you got to get them to bed. There's a lot of stuff to do every day. And the single people think they're busy. Ha! The single people on our staff, that they, that they're exhausted from their lives. And those of us that have children, are, we laugh them to scorn. There's enough stuff every day to do. To not grab on fearfully and negatively for the future. Say, well, what about, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Worry is not included in kingdom living. It's not included in kingdom living. One of my Bible school instructors said this, and it's always stuck with me, and he said this. Don't worry about the things that you can do something about because you can do something about them. And then don't worry about the things that you can't do anything about because you can't do anything about them. In other words, don't worry. Because there's stuff within our, our grasp and our control that we can actually do. We can, we can accomplish something. And, and, and don't let you know passivity or procrastination rule your life. The things that you have to do, go do them. Get it done. Step up to the plate. Live your life. Be active. Do stuff. Do the stuff you need to do. So that stuff, just do it. Don't worry about it. Just get it done. Get started. Get moving. Get acting. And then the stuff that's beyond your control, which is a lot of stuff, including other people and what they do, all that stuff, don't worry about it. Don't worry. It's a waste of your today. Worry is a waste of your today. Here's a couple... Uh, quotes on worry. It says, worry is the advance interest you pay on troubles that seldom come. Worry is like a rocking chair that gives you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Another one, it says, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. 
beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. You know, worry is very detrimental to our lives. And they've actually uh, proven now, medical science tells us that worry affects our bodies in, in negative ways. That there are actual physical side effects to worry, to anxiety that you would feel with your heart and your mind and your emotions and how you think about life, all of that can affect your body negatively. Now, this is from a medical website. It says this, physical disorders linked to worry and anxiousness. Now, are you ready? Now, we we get a lot more American commercials nowadays, and when we get American commercials, you notice they're selling a lot more drugs to us, right? And then, so they have to have a minute-long commercial because 45 seconds of it are the side effects, (laughs) right? And the 45 seconds of, they have to include all these things. You know, it's probably part of their FDA approval and all of that. And so they, they, here's this drug. It's the wonder drug and it's going to change your life. And then 45 seconds, but it may cause this and may cause this and may cause you to stop breathing. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> but everybody's running in the field <laughs> with the drug, right? Okay, but with worry, there is nothing good about it. Listen to the physical side effects of worry. Difficulty swallowing, dizziness, dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability, muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea, nervous energy, rapid breathing, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling, I'm not done, Twitching, suppression of the immune system, digestive, digestive disorders, muscle tension, short-term memory loss, premature coronary artery disease, heart attack from worry. And there was nothing good on the list. There is no value in worry. There's n- nothing good happens from worry. Let's not do it. It's not part of kingdom living. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. Rejoice rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We can see Paul references the God of peace two times here in this section. In the context of don't be anxious for anything. And the first thing he says that will solve us uh, from being anxious, will help us to not be anxious, is to pray. Don't worry, pray instead. It's a better use of your energy. It's a better use of of your time. It's a better use of your thought life. Because what does worry change? What does worry change, everybody? Come on. Nothing. Never has changed anything. 
It's not going to change anything. Doesn't change anything. But if we have to think about that thing, what should we be doing? We should be praying. We should be asking God instead, not just doing my own thing, not just me being anxious about the future, that I'm going to pray instead. Replace worry with prayer. And if, you, if you're laying in bed at night and you're thinking about something and you're like, what about, oh, what, what, and, and you're, it's keeping you up at night. Has anyone ever had a night like that? Where you're like, I, I don't know what to do. And if you think, I don't know what to do, what's the point of thinking about, I don't know what to do for two more hours? What's the point of it? What, what, what should we do instead? Well, I don't know, God, but I know you know. I know you know the end from the beginning. And I know, like we said earlier, that I am in your hand. And I am trusting today in your amazing love to help me. You either show me or whatever the solution is, or you can help someone else to help me. But God, I don't know, and I know you know. So I'm just going to put this in your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Go to sleep. Now, I know that that's easier said than done. But you have to discipline yourself. And it is a discipline. Like unforgiveness last week. Sometimes that same thing, that same thing you thought you let go of last week, you see that person and that thing comes back up. And then you got to let it go again like we talked about last week. And then the same way with worry. Something comes up and you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to deal with the situation. You pray and ask God. In Jesus' name, amen, and go to sleep. And you've got to discipline your mind. The second part of the solution is to not think about it. Think about something else. Listen, your thought life is a choice. You don't just, things just don't come to your mind without you giving them permission to come. Now, things are going to come, but then you're going to choose whether or not you're going to think about that. And that's the same way with worry. Worry comes, and you're like, oh, no, I'm not going to think about that. I don't have a solution. I'm going to ask God. And you let it go, and then the next morning, it's there, right? That very same thing. Well, what are you going to do? 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 I'm not exactly sure what I know I'm going to do in this moment, but I do know that I'm going to trust God. I'm going to ask you, God, to help me in this situation. So instead of worrying... We're going to pray. And then instead of worrying, we're going to think different thoughts. We're going to make a different choice with our thought life. And then Paul says, after both of those things and the God of peace. And then we'll experience the peace that we're after. And we, living in peace is so much better than living in worry. Worry is just, it's just all of that physical stuff. But how much life are we wasting worrying Daily living, just life we could be enjoying. Said we're wasting it being afraid about the unknown. Afraid of the future. Proverbs chapter 12 says this. In verse 25, the message paraphrase, it says, Worry weighs us down. A cheerful word picks us up. What does it say? Worry weighs us down. A cheerful word picks us up. Now, we know this is true. Before we came here this morning, we 
knew this was true. That worry is like a weight. A weight of this unknown. What is my future going to be? What's it going to look like? What are they going to do? How is it going to work out? What about our country? What about our economy? What about the world? Worry weighs us down. A cheerful word picks us up. Now let me ask you a question. What if you... It, you know, it's very nice if you can get a cheerful word from someone else, if someone else can encourage you. But what if you don't have somebody around? Psalm 43, verse 5 says this. David is speaking to himself. He says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The message paraphrase of this same verse says this. Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? It's asking himself. Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He's my God. He says, why are you cast down? Hope in God. Hope is the antithesis of anxiety. Hope is the opposite of worry. Worry is this negative thought, this negative expectation of my future. Hope is the opposite. Hope is a different type of expectation. The scripture says that, that, that we have hope within us that springs from our faith. We have this faith in God. We have this trust in God. We have a relationship with God in his kingdom. And we, we could be thinking about this and we could, what about this? And we need this and we need this. And, G, and Jesus said, why do you have little faith? Don't be anxious about all those things. Put your trust in God. And when we put our trust in God, that changes our expectation about tomorrow. Because I know God, and because I know His peace, and because I know His love, and because I know His power, man, I can think differently about tomorrow. Even after a day when everything goes wrong, and everything is a struggle, and things went sideways in my life, like David said, hope in God. Because life will go sideways. Life will be difficult. But that should not change our expectation. That should not change our hope. Because we have faith in God. That's when we need our faith in God. When things actually go wrong. That's when we need to grab onto our faith the most. And hope in God. That I'm going to have a joyful expectation about my future. That's what hope means. A joyful expectation. I'm not going to listen to all the pundits. I'm not going to listen to all the naysayers. I'm not going to listen to all the people that say it can't. It's not going to work out. I am going to put my hope in God. Trust in Him. Changes how I think about the future. Changes how I think about life. Final verses here in 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting 
all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Casting all of your worry, casting all of those anxious thoughts on him. Paul said, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Pray. So I don't have to be anxious. Why? Because he cares for me. That God is more interested in your future than you are. He loves you and he cares about you. We just read. But it started there by saying, I got to humble myself. And I have to realize part of that humility is worry. It's all about me trying to have control of my future. And how many of you figured out that we can never actually control everything that happens in our future? It doesn't work. We don't have that power. The humility of faith, the pride of worry. The humility of faith says, God, I'm going to trust you with my future. The pride of worry says, I'm going to try to figure it out. 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 I got to do it on my own. I got to do this and I got to do this. But the humility of faith says, God, I'm going to trust you with my future. I'm just going to put my life in your hands. Because I know that you care for me. So I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to worry. I know that you love me. And I know that you care about me. See, God is very interested in your life being effective. Last week we talked about how our past can hold us back. Today we talked about how thoughts, negative thoughts about our future can consume our lives. Both of those things take away from our today. But see, God wants you to be effective in your life today. He doesn't want you to be hooked on to some negative past. And he doesn't want you to be worried about some shadows of your future that aren't actually going to happen. The kingdom of God, as Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you right now. That we can go and live our lives and be effective that we can go be effective friends and spouses and parents because we're not stuck in the past or not worried about the future, that I can give all of myself to the people around me, that I can serve all of the people around me because I'm not stuck in the past and I'm not worried about the future, that today I know that I can have God's peace and I can experience his love so that I can be a vessel to bring his kingdom to the people around me. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, and we choose not... Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.